This is RAF with Tony Tone and LA. Yo, what's up? It's your boy LA, aka the Love Ambassador, coming to you straight live and direct from the Jungle Studios. Uh, now, on a sad note, um, there was two mass shootings in America. So one in Texas and one in Ohio the last couple of days. And um, given the fact that now America is actually our biggest audience by country mile, I thought I would um, do some research actually and do, I guess, a comparison on um, Australian gun laws and American. Uh, the reason being is that our last mass shooting within Australia, apart from the nut job in New Zealand, that terrorist dude, uh, that was Australian. But our last mass shooting in Australia uh, was in 1996. Uh, Martin Bryant, of memory, was the guy's name. And uh, after that shooting, uh, we had, I guess, in a way, similar to the Republicans in power in terms of party. I mean, they're not the same, but I guess you could say kind of conservative leadership. Uh turned around and basically brought back a whole bunch of semi-automatic and automatic weapons uh, and introduced really tough gun laws. So now in Australia, not only have we not had one since, uh, but it's very rare to even see guns within the society. I mean... Even only on odd occasion will you hear about gangsters shooting each other. Um, there was a sort of a gang war a couple of years ago where they were. Um, but even then it was similar to sort of Italian mafia just sort of taking each other out as opposed to civilians. And <clears throat> even the bikies just seem to usually just uh, go amongst themselves as well. But generally in the society, yeah, it's... Uh, it's sort of the polar opposite, I guess, to what you would see with America. So I'm taking this from the author, Elliot Brennan, uh, who's a research associate at the United States Studies Centre, which is part of the University of Sydney. Uh, the article was published last year uh, and is called Why Can't the United States Enact Australian-Style Gun Control? Um, the reason being is even on American news that quite often comes up with mention to Australia after mass shootings. Gun violence remains one of the most vexing issues in the United States. Since just 1968, more Americans have died at the barrel of a gun in civilian society than the total of American war did since the War of Independence. The vast majority of these civilian deaths are suicides and homicides, but as mass shootings, particularly those at schools, that galvanised recent debate. At the time of Australia's watershed moment on gun reform in 1996, as I was telling you with the, the last massacre, then Prime Minister John Howard was like John, Donald Trump, a relatively new and staunchly conservative leader. 
But unlike President Trump's reaction to several mass shootings, when 28-year-old Martin Bryant used a semi-automatic rifle to kill 35 people and injured 28 more in the Australian town of Port Arthur, it's a like a tourist place for the old, uh, yeah, the old kind of remains of the convict era in Australia. The reaction of the Australian leader was resolute. Despite the Prime Minister's conservative leanings and entrenched gun culture and a coalition with the country's rural representative party, the Howard government passed strict new laws called the National Firearms Agreement. This enacted a near total prohibition on the ownership, possession, sale and importation of all automatic and semi-automatic weapons. It also made the process of buying a gun more difficult with a mandate cool-off period. In a buyback scheme of the now illegal weapons, 640,000, or roughly one-fifth of the nation's guns, were destroyed. After the Howard government's action in 1996, gun-related deaths dropped significantly, or there remains debate over the reforms accelerated the reduction of deaths or merely kept them on a steady downward trend. Uh, if you look at the murders, um, the murder rate, um, Australian cities are usually somewhere between one to two per 100,000 people uh, compared to, I think Chicago was 20-something and St. Louis goes up to even 50 or 60 or something like that as well. Uh, so it, it has definitely had some effect. Uh, to what extent? I guess you can always argue that. By contrast, pro-reform ambitions in the United States were much lower. Even Barack Obama's doom reforms only focused on background checks, assault weapons and punitive measures against gun traffickers. The right to bear arms was central to the success of the American War of Independence, 1775 to 1783, and enshrined in the Constitution that, that resulted, this left an indelible mark on the American psyche. The Second Amendment to the Constitution links guns and the ability to resist tyranny reading, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Today, the prospect of armed militias being able to overthrow the US government and its military might seem insane, but is one that symbolically endures, at least until 2013, more than half of all Americans saw gun rights as a counterbalance to tyranny. Australia's constitution is not based in the guarantee of individual rights like speech, assembly, equal protection and gun ownership and has a far easier method of amendment that than its US counterpart. To enact Australian-style gun restrictions, the US Congress would first have to pass a constitutional amendment with a two-thirds majority where it would then have to be approved by 38, that's insane, 38 state legislators. Alternatively, the shift in the US Supreme Court interpretation of the Second Amendment could allow for much stricter gun control measures to be passed both federally and at the state level with a political will to do so. The result of this divergent history and legal context is that public opinion and gun ownership is markedly different. Well, yeah, I mean, if you need 38 state legislators to pass it, <laughs> that makes it almost impossible. Uh, the other thing as well is that um, Australia didn't have a war of independence. Uh, they basically just wrote a letter to the 
to the Brits and said, hey, you know, we're sick and tired of being colonies. We're going to unite and become one. And the Brits just said, as long as we're, we're still head of state and fine. Um, and there was, yeah. And then in America, obviously, they had that, that war of independence. And then what was written was was also kept. But the counter argument of that is that when they wrote it, they had muskets. They didn't have AR-15s and AK-47s. So whilst it seems immensely hard to change the Constitution of America, and also because Americans, a lot of Americans are very proud, given the history of what's gone into protecting that Constitution, um, it could also really be, a, I guess, a question of maybe altering it. Uh, in Australia, roughly 45% of the population support the current gun laws and 44% want them to be strengthened. This makes 89% of the population in favour of gun control substantially stricter than the United States. Of those who own a gun in the United States, the right to own a firearm is strongly tied to their sense of freedom, according to polling conducted by PU Research in 2017. Roughly three quarters of gun owners say this right is an essential one even more than 67% of the owners who see protection as a major factor in their gun purchases. I guess, again, reading into that, the thing is that if you live in a society where everyone's armed, like, you'd want to be armed as well. I actually think if I lived in America, I'd want to be armed as well. Just knowing that everyone else had had weapons, and in that, that in itself, along with, you know, the, the constitutional battle... Already, you see it developing into quite a um, quite a tricky situation of how do you stop it? In similar to to Australia, as Australia was less of a, less motivated to have that 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 guns within the society, and also um, because not no one's got guns here apart from the police and a few maybe gangsters, so you don't really worry about it as much. And you'd also not worry about um, police brutality or anything like that. Like, it's quite a very chilled out and relaxed society generally as well. Um, okay, the entwining of guns and protections is essential to the good guy with the gun theory that suggests if more people were armed, they could stop a mass shooting in its tracks. This can make it overwhelmingly difficult for law enforcement to identify the suspect. Herein lies another problem, the sheer number of guns in the United States. Because of the ease of the buying of a gun without a permit in the United States, the total number is difficult to track. A reputable study conducted in 2013 estimated the number to be between 270 and, what the fuck, 310 million that's just mental. Okay, all right, let's keep going. To match the scale of Australia's gun amnesty, roughly 58 million weapons, so that's like two times the population of Australia, would need to be purchased at an incredible cost to the government. This seems impracticable, impracticable especially under a conservative government. Well, uh, again, you know, that could be debated. Guns don't kill. All right, so we've all heard of the NRA, National Rifle Association, and their motto or ethos is guns don't kill people, people kill people. I'll, I'll draw on this a little bit later on. I'll just get into a bit of information here. Um, okay, so although NRA donations can be discounted as a fact, 
factor in politicians' decision-making process, the money do donated amounts to a tiny fraction of the Republican fundraising. So the NRA gave $203 million in 1998 compared to $1.1 billion by Wall Street. Okay, so unlike Wall Street, however, the NRA can utilise its millions of members to write and call their congresspersons, a tactic that when engaged en masse tends to be particularly effective in swaying undecided legislators. The view of the Republican base hold a great deal of explanatory power in the respect, in this respect, of the Republican poll by Pew Research in 2017, 66% were in favour of expanding gun rights. So 53% were in favour of shortening waiting periods for buying guns legally. I think there is some element, not that I would agree with NRA, Rob, but I mean, there is some element actually in guns don't kill people, people kill people, because I do know a lot of people that have lot <laughs> enormous amount of guns like even in australia that legally own like a lot of shotguns and weapons and everything like that that yeah go they use it for hunting and go about their sort of daily business sort of thing um and i think in america it's it's a lot more to do with um mental health is definitely one i think also the secondly thing is poverty um for what is actually the richest country in the world um, what astounds me, and I've been through many places of America, is the actual poverty of a lot of those cities and lack of jobs. And then also um, how they basically got rid of a lot of the industrialization, such as steel, car manufacturing, um, you know, the blue collar jobs, so to speak. So then when you have throughout the world, people always hate immigrants for fear that they're taking their jobs. Uh, and for the blue collar workers, I guess the question is, if you're living in a lot of these smaller towns that aren't major cities like Los Angeles or, or Houston, for example, then I guess the question would be is what work actually is available and then how much of it is available. And then you can in a way understand the fear mongering of media showing you know droves of people coming in and politicians saying we need to protect our jobs and everything like that because even in australia to draw comparisons um you had governments elected off the back of stopping illegal immigration and stop the boat people so uh, they were having illegal migrants coming over by boats from indonesia and governments were elected on the basis of having essentially um controlled migration and being tough on illegal immigrants. Uh, so, yeah, in, in that sense, it is sort of a similar vein. But what's interesting with Australia is that it's still relatively prosper, prosperous uh, in comparison to America, where you see, like I said, incredible amounts of poverty. So you don't have that same... You have uh, maybe in speech anti-immigration, but not necessarily in the same practice of violence or anything like that. And also because the cities are so, um, for example, Melbourne, where I'm from, there's every language from the world spoken and it's a real melting pot of cultures and people really kicking and getting it along. Uh, just building on that, um, 
that we were talking about the mass shooting generation, if you could call it that, I guess. Uh, so the private sectors responded. Companies have cut ties with NRA and mass and already Walmart and Dix, two of the nation's largest gun retailers, have borrowed the pressure and will circumvent local jurisdictions to lift the minimum age of people they will sell guns and limit to the types of weapons available. Both gun owners and non-gun owners strongly agree that people suffering a mental illness and people of the no-fly list on the no-fly list should be prevented from purchasing guns. There is also an agreement on the issue of background checks of gun owners and non-gun owners, well, they both agree on background checks. And they also agree that there should be uh, strict regulations with private gun shows. Although all of these changes will be overwhelmingly positive steps, they wouldn't nearly constitute Australian-style gun reform, but given the legal and political challenges gun control faces in the United States, it's going to be <laughs> quite difficult. So just to recap, basically it's the Constitution um, of America. It's a difference of um, social factors as well. Uh, and it's also the number of guns within the society uh, and it's also um, the mobility of uh, the likes of the NRA in terms of the number of members in order to rally against their their politicians as well. Uh, but we're still seeing um, over 20 mass shootings so far this year in America. And you also, on top of that, are essentially legally allowed to raise a militia, which is like a mini-military. So... And then also trying to challenge the Constitution legally, actually, is immensely difficult. So I think that if it was for me, it needs to start with, A, a mental health, and I think a lot of money needs to be put into mental health into America. I really do. Because a lot of it, it's like when you read the... When you read about these people doing it, you know, like a lot of it is is trapped to, to mental health. And then also... I think that, you know, because a large part of American society is based on consumption, so there is, there is the voice of the poor, which is listened to during vo vo voting times, but not necessarily catered to. And, you know, if you want to have a harmonious society, like, you need people to get along, and... That works where well, but the American economy is also based on consumption and, and, and cheap debt. I think more has to be done for infrastructure and more has to be done for for the working class to lift their living standards. I mean, I was even reading about how the middle class is disappearing under a mountain of debt um, in America as well. And, yeah, I think that it's a very, very tricky question to answer how do you stop mass shootings and maybe you do with no pun intended have to bite the bullet and just buy enormous amount of weapons off the market but the problem is is that if there's 300 million weapons that you know of there's probably another 100 million that you don't right um so even that would be very difficult so i think it really has to be down to the community and individual levels of um teaching teaching the people and also like labeling it as terrorism 
You know, I mean, a lot of the times when these white people are shooting it up, they're not even labelling them as terrorists. They're labelling them as mass shooters. Like, it is a form of domestic terrorism as well. So, yeah, it's it's a big, big step for America to do. And look, frankly, I don't think that they're going to. I actually don't. I think that this is just going to keep happening because it's like, a, oh, that's horrible, that happened, and then life kind of moves on. Whereas in with Australia, when it happened, there was that courageous moment where the politicians in country kind of turned around and, and nipped it in the butt. And unless something's going to happen which would take an enormous magnitude, then it will keep going on. So... Like I said, hopefully some money can be diverted to assist uh, in certain fields. And, uh, well, fingers crossed that it happens less often than twice in the last few days. That's the comparison. And, uh, yeah, good luck.